In the book of John, there are seven I am statements. So there's the book of John is famous for these seven I am statements, okay? Now, we've already gone through two of them. We've hit so far up to chapter 8, uh, two specifically. One is, I am the bread of life. You remember when he, uh, when he fed the, the people and all that, and then there was that whole thing about bread? And so he says, I am the bread of life. And then, I think it was two weeks ago, we talked about that he says, I am the light to the world, or light of the world. So I am bread, and I am light. Those are the, the two that we've hit specifically, and then there's going to be five more as we bump into here in the next few chapters. But that statement of I am, how many of you know that carries a lot of weight to the Jewish audience that Jesus is speaking to? Like, huge, right? So when I say the words I am, and we're thinking in terms of the Jewish or, or Hebrew culture, God, and here's the deal. How many of you know some things become more, a bigger deal the longer that they're there. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? We have this phrase in our family that I, I've used for just years, and it's almost become like this Abbott Ten Commandments type of thing, but I, I will say to the kids, work first, play second. Right? I mean, you know, everybody wants to play first, work second, you know. So I say, play, work first, play second. Well, now they're just, it, it comes from everywhere now, you know. It's not always in the best context and everything. And it's become almost like so, so big in our family that it's gotten weird. Like, and the kids have interpreted this and they throw it back in my face sometimes if, you know, if I'm playing solitaire on my phone, whatever, you know, just. And I think sometimes it, with the Bible, if you let religion really get into it, it can take a good truth and turn it almost weird. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I'll give you some examples of that later. But the idea that this I am statement, it actually goes way back. Okay, So take if you have your Bibles, if you want to go there, I'll be reading out of the New American Standard, and it's Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And just so that we're all on the same page, the context of this is, uh, it's Moses, okay? But it's it's the second 40 years of Moses' life. The first 40 years, he's in Egypt, and he's a chosen prince of Egypt, you know, that whole thing, uh, pull him out of the river Nile. And, but during that time, the Israelites, the children of Israel, they're in complete bondage and slavery, and horrible slavery. Like it's, and they have begun to cry out to God to save them. Now, they've been there for 400 years, and it's time for some deliverance. I'm saying amen. <laughs> and so that's the context and so then Moses has left Egypt and some of you know the story you can go back and read it Exodus the first couple chapters and we get to this point in Exodus where Moses is now on the backside of the wilderness and he's a shepherd and he runs one day suddenly there appears a, a, a burning bush right some of you know the story there's this bush that starts to burn that doesn't get consumed and Moses figures out, hey, this is God. <laughs> and so God begins to speak to him. And, of course, chooses Moses to be the deliverer that what he's going to do for the children of Israel. So, really awesome story. If you haven't read Exodus in a while, you should go back. It's super fun. We just went through it with my kids a little bit ago. And But in that context of the burning bush and God talking to Moses, uh, God be, begins to reveal a little bit of who he is. And the context is that God says, Moses, go and tell them this. 
And Moses is really kind of pushing back on this. He's very insecure. He doesn't feel confident in who he is and the message that he's supposed to supposed to speak. And then, so let's pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel. So God has already called him, right? And the Moses is kind of pushing back. Like Moses says to God, Wait a minute. You, you told me to go to the children of Israel, the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, quote, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Okay, now just pause there for a second. There's a thing that that's really uh, has been a big deal to me over the years, and it's a phrase I call progressive revelation. How many of you know that in Genesis or Exodus, God doesn't throw the whole plan for salvation for mankind at the beginning? That as you read the Bible, as you go through, especially chronologically, you get you get progressive revelation. You get this truth. And then God will add on another truth. So, you know, a while back we went through, this a couple of years ago now, or a year and a half ago, we went through the names of God. Remember that? The characters of God, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, all, you know, Jehovah Sidkenu, all those things. And each one of those was a progressive revelation of who God is. God is our righteousness. Okay. Then God is, you know, our peace, shalom. <laughs> And what does that mean? And then, and then after the peace and that, then it comes healing, and then it comes provision, and then, you know, my banner and all this stuff. It, God reveals himself through Scripture progressively. All right? Do you agree? you understand what I'm saying? But I'm going to know that that's true in our own lives. Like, God gives us a, a taste of who he is. So I'll ask this question. How many of you have grown in your understanding of God since the day you invited Jesus into your heart? Anybody say amen? Right? I mean, you don't get it all at the beginning. You get enough for that part of the journey. And then God will give you a little bit more and a little bit more. Usually when God reveals more of his character, it's in the place where conflict or trouble has been. So there'll be the struggle that the people go through, and then God will say, well, just relax because I'm your healer. (laughs) Or just relax because I'm your provider. Or I'm your, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like, there's a sense that when you go through some stuff, you realize, God, if you'll let him, if you'll open the garage door, you know, as we talk about, if you'll open your heart, there's light that's going to shine in and show you things you've, you've never known before. There's parts of God that we learn through struggle or conflict or difficulty that we never learn anywhere else. And the biggest mistake we can make, would you agree, is to not learn that part of the journey. Joyce Myers, she has this phrase where she says, going around the mountain again, (laughs) you know, like if we don't learn it this time, God loves you so much, he's not going to let you move on, but you'll have to go around the mountain again. And then how many of you found this to be true? You come right back up against that same thing and you realize, okay, wait, I should probably learn this (laughs) this time because I don't want to waste any more time going around the mountain. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like there's a thing for us in that, the progressive revelation. So do you understand that Exodus chapter 3, we have Moses. Now, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of that other, Noah, and all that, that's in Genesis. God has not revealed himself to all those incredible Bible characters in the way he's about to reveal himself to Moses. Do you see? 
Like those Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, you know, all, uh, you know, even the guy like, you know, Methuselah and uh, who is the guy, Enoch, who walked with God. He doesn't have this revelation of God. I mean, maybe he does in a private thing, but in the scripture, there's no, there's, this is all new that we're about to hear. Okay, so are you with me? God calls Moses, burning bush, you know, take off your sandals, this is holy ground, you know, the, all of this stuff. And then he, Moses has this question, because Moses has been in the wilderness for, uh, it looks, appears to be 40 years. So he's like 80 years old when all this starts. And how many of you know by the time you're 80, even if you're living longer in the Old Testament, you probably have a set pattern of how life is going to be. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. And your understanding of God has kind of got in a rut. You know what I'm saying? Like, And I don't mean rut as in a bad thing. Just there's a firmness and an understanding of who God is. Now, when we say, open the door, you know, to our hearts, do you know what you're really asking God when you say that? You're saying, God, make a new path. Make a new rut, if you will. Show me stuff I've never seen before is, is a dangerous prayer. Because if you let him, he will. But it's not going to look like the last part of your journey. Are you with me? When we say, God, I open up my heart to you, we're actually saying, God, make my life really scary. Because all of a sudden, you're going to have new revelation. So Moses is here. God calls him. And Moses is kind of like, okay, where are we going with this? I'm, I'm, I'm insecure, God. <laughs> I don't think I can stand him. And, and in fact, Moses, a little bit later, says I, he stutters. <laughs> How many of you know that if God asked you to go talk to a million people and lead them out of slavery in Egypt, and you had a a peach impediment, as people say, you know, <laughs> a peach impediment, that that would be a little insecure. Would you agree? <laughs> Get up in front, the, 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 you know, who knows how much this was. And God, if you read this story in Exodus, he just keeps reinforcing Moses. But the most important thing is this next one. Because God now takes everybody's understanding of who God is and he takes it into this whole new realm of what we have now come to know as I am. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Big message. After 400 years in slavery, right? Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Isn't that interesting? They don't know God in the way that Moses is about to understand who God is. That's a big message. And the big message is this. Are you ready? Verse 14. God said to Moses, in capital letters in most of our Bibles, I am who I am. That is a really odd way of saying something, isn't it? It almost seems redundant, doesn't it? Like the round and round. And here's my thing. It is redundant. You want to know why? Because it's he's everything. There's no beginning. There's no end. This word I am is really is going to define God all the way through the book of Revelation. And we'll look there in a minute. So he says, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Have you ever seen any, some of these movies that have Moses with the burning bush, you know? And the volume goes up and starts to rattle when God says this, I am who I am, you know? And I 
Dope, I wonder if that was true. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is capital letters, and God is really making a point that he's finally... I, I bet you God is excited. I do. I bet you God is excited because he finally gets to show them this really amazing central part of who he is. You know? It's like that thing when you have when you have a secret and you can't wait to tell somebody. I almost get the feeling that's how God is right here. I am who I am. Oh, it's going to be good. My son's going to come. He's going to say I am. And all And then in Revelation, you're going to see it more and more. Like, this is the beginning of this incredible revelation and a central part of who God is. I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I don't know that Moses really got it. But how many of you know that sometimes when God gives us truth, we have to work through it a little bit? Have you found this to be true? Like, I fully believe that God is my healer. And yet, my back is killing me. And so I'm like, okay, I get the truth that you are my healer. I got to work, I got to figure that one out a little bit. I got to work through that one a little bit, right? But I think that is the incredible part of the journey. Because what does God want more than anything with us? Intimacy. He wants us. <laughs> and sometimes having us requires us not having all the answers so that we begin to seek him. I was reminded this week again of Jeremiah 29. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you hope and a future, right? <laughs> to, to Not to harm you, right? He's got all these great plans. But he says, But you will seek me and you will find me then what? When you, when you seek me with all your heart. You see, there's it's like a conditional thing. It's not as love isn't conditional. But getting to the next level with God is oftentimes conditional. Remember we talked about the garage door wants to close, but you have to keep pushing the button and get it to get it to go the direction you want it to go. I feel like that's our hearts sometimes. Like we said, because our heart wants to close on truth. And we have to purposely say, no, I'm going to seek you with all my heart. In order to do that, I have to keep letting light in. I have to keep getting that door. Because the default is the doors want to close. <laughs> so frustrating. I've got this minivan. And the front door, the driver's side door, you know, you ever like have your hands full and you kick it with your leg to kind of open the door and you want it to go open? But it doesn't want to open. It keeps trying to close on my leg all the time. And it gets really frustrating. And I think sometimes our hearts are like that. Like the door keeps wanting to close, you know. And I have to keep pushing it. And I, and I have to purposely get that door open so that I can accomplish what I need to accomplish. And I feel like that's what God is doing. And so uh, there's this sense, I think, that God is saying to Moses, look, this is exciting. We're moving on to the next part, the I am stuff. And then God goes on and he, and he kind of continues with it. He says, and God furthermore said to Moses, so he's, he's really trying to bring Moses along and understand this. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now, do you understand what he's doing right here? He's taking the knowledge that they know, right? They know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They, they know that part. What they don't know is the I am, the forever God, that he's now revealing. 
So God takes this the history, the stuff they know. He takes the stuff they know and he says, listen, I'm the God and I'm sending you of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the Lord. And then he says, this is my name forever and this is my memorial name to, say it with me, all generations. It's just like he hit go on this new progressive revelation, this new revelation. This is the new this is the new go-to. This is the thing. Now, this is the memorial. When you made a memorial, it was like a stake in the ground. It was a rock or something that you set up. This is my memorial. This is, this is what I'm going to be known at from here on in. The I am stuff. Now, just so we're clear on this, the Israelites, and from this point on, they can't even say the Jewish name for this. Yahweh. So I think that was interesting. As I'm preparing this message, God was bringing me to this verse and some other stuff in Revelation and then back to John. And while I'm doing that, I'm also picking a songs for worship. And that song we sang today with Yahweh in it, you know, we kept, that was a big part of that. Do you know that I, <laughs> I know some of you think I'm really smart, but there are, you know, like I'm not that smart. I didn't put that together until like this morning, I figured out, oh, the Yahweh's in there. Oh, and you got the... How many of you know when God highlights certain things in different areas, he really wants to make a point? Yeah. Do you ever get that to be true? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Yahweh part of this is vital because Yahweh is the... In the Jewish, it's I am. That is the phrase, I am. And that when God says, Yahweh, Yahweh, when we sing that, we're really saying, God, you are everything. You're beginning middle and end. You're all of it. And there's nothing about you that has gaps. Right? You are everything. You're beginning to end. And this word was so big for the Israelites coming forward on this that they just had letters. They couldn't even spell it all out. The letters were Y-H-W-H. And it was rendered Lord. So when you see Lord in your scripture in the in the Bible in the Old Testament a lot of times that's the word Yahweh but they couldn't even they weren't allowed to say it it was so reverent and so holy and so oh you know that they literally there was like a hands off thing there was such a holy thing almost like the burning bush you know what I'm saying like wow if we ever had a burning bush right in front of you that would be a big deal wouldn't it yeah well that's how they felt so I want you to keep that in mind. This is the beginnings of the I am stuff, okay? So Revelation, now let's jump out to Revelation chapter 1. We'll start with verse 4. Now, we already talked a little bit about John, right? And he's on the island of Patmos, and he's it's a tough place, but he's in the spirit on the Lord's day, and God begins to uh, download on John. And he really does a download, doesn't he? <laughs> and he says, write it down. But the beginning of him writing it down is this kind of vision that he sees. So Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. It says this, From John to the seven churches in western Turkey, may the kindness of God's grace and peace overflow to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are in front of his throne. And from Now the seven spirits represents the Holy Spirit. There are seven spirits of the Holy Spirit. That is a whole other sermon for another day. But just when it says this, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then verse 5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruling king, 
who rules over the kings of the earth. Okay, can I just pause there for a second? As we're going to read in John, and as we've already been talking quite a bit, do you think the Pharisees get it? (laughs) You know, like what we just read? Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruling king, and, and all this stuff. And we'll see him even a little bit more. He begins to display his awesome son of Godness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just imagine, like, like as we go back to John and we start in their interaction with the Pharisees, they they are completely don't get who Jesus is. And yet, I wanted to give you a little picture. This is him. And it says, we'll continue in verse 15. It says, now to the one who constantly loves us. Can we just say that together? The one who constantly loves us. Say it one more time. To the one who constantly loves us. Do you know there are times in my life where I've sinned and done things that I wasn't proud of and I knew were wrong, blah, blah, blah. And it's in those moments, what do you think the devil wants to tell your mind that somehow you've fallen out of God's love. Interesting with communion. I remember when I was younger. Anybody make mistakes when they were young? <laughs> so I remember when I was younger and I would want to come to communion and I was, I was afraid to take communion because I felt like, oh, you know, I've done this wrong or this thing and I don't feel like I'm worthy to take communion and, you know, all this stuff. And uh, the, the enemy always wants to remind you of your sin. And I love this verse because God is, Jesus is different. You know what? He doesn't want to remind you of your sin. He wants to what? Constantly remind you that he loves you. He loves you forever. He loves you in the good things you do and he loves you in the not so good things you do. He loves you in the times where it's glory, hallelujah, and he loves you in the times that are difficult and it's dark under the house. You know? I just love that. And he, the one who constantly loves us and has loosed us from our sins by his own blood. (laughs) I love that phrase too. He loosed us from our sins. Like it was attached. Now it's loose. (laughs) Now it's gone. Amen. So then verse six, we'll move on. And to the one who has made us to rule as a kingly priesthood to serve his God and father. To him be glory and dominion throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. Okay. Did you catch that? Eternity of eternities, like forever. The I am-ness that started in Exodus chapter 3 not only comes through Revelation, but goes through all of eternity. Okay? Then he goes on and he says in verse 7, Behold, he appears within the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the people's groups of the earth will weep with sorrow because of him. And so it is to be. Amen. I mean, you know, amen puts an exclamation point on the end of whatever it is that we just said. Amen. You know, it's interesting. We, we'll just touch on this real quick. But this is a verse a lot of people use for the rapture stuff. And uh, we won't go into a big study on this. But this the, the, the Greek verb here is we won't talk about the rapture stuff, but let me just say this. It says that every eye will see him. Behold, he appears within the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So those that, like, every eye, past, present, and future, is going to see Jesus. But it's interesting. The Greek verb tense of 
appears or comes, this this word, is in the third person, singular, present indicative. Doesn't that just bring joy to your heart right there? I got it, I got it. I was like, I don't know, any idea what Pastor just said, it doesn't matter, because here's what I'm going to say. The third person, singular, present indicative, which is a present tense reality. So the Greek there isn't talking about some future event. It's talking about a present tense reality. And so sometimes we have to be careful how we interpret Scripture. And this one in particular, I want to just give you an encouragement that, it, that if, you, if you interpret it or translate it, it can't be translated this way. He is now coming. Or he is in the act of coming and continues to come. I think what this verse is saying is that God wants to continually be in the now with his I am-ness. Is, he, is I am going to do some things in the future? Absolutely. Is it the rapture and all that? I don't, you know, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Let's just leave that one out there, I guess, for a while. But I will say this. That verb that is we often think is pre- future tense is actually present and future. It actually gives us more of the I am-ness of God, of him saying, listen, I want to come to you, and I'm going to come in this glorious cloud thing where everybody sees you. But isn't it interesting? As John is writing this, he says, even those who pierced him, right? Well, that's probably close to 70 years after the fact that this is written. And so he's actually talking to people that crucified Jesus and tortured him, and he's talking here, and then he's also talking about the future. You see what I'm saying? See how cool this is? Like the idea that God, literally right now, as he's here, he's saying to you, I want to come to you right now. I'm going to do awesome things in the future, and we may or may not understand them all. But one thing we can know is that right here, right now, Jesus wants to come. And, and keep on coming. It's one of those verbs that is like, keeps on, you know. <sighs> how many find that reassuring? That Jesus is here right now. And your situation and my situation and the things of our life, it's, it's not this way down the road thing. It's right now. And I love this verse. He appears within the clouds. He comes, you know, like, it, this is a picture of glory. This is a picture of his majesty. Amen? And then the last verse for today we'll look at. Uh, verse 8. And this is a familiar verse to many people. I am the Aleph and the Tav. In many of your Bibles, that it's uh, the Alpha and Omega. Right? I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God. And then don't you love this? Who is, who was, and who is to come. The Almighty. Do you know that that word Yahweh is, in its definition, is the almightiness and the awesomeness of God? So isn't, isn't it interesting? Here we went to Exodus, and he started the I am thing, and now we're in Revelation, and he says, I, I was and is and is to come. I am is here. And, it's, and, and the reality is, we can celebrate what he's done in the past and who he is. And we can be excited about what he's going to do in the future. But we also get to be excited and experience him, his coming to us right here in the present. Anybody say amen to that? That's a very encouraging thought that God knows everything. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't we stand?
Let's, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be done for today. We didn't really get very far in terms of my sermon, but, but how many know that God has been speaking? Amen. He's got some things that he's excited to say to us. And, uh, I want to just bless you as, as we go today. If you want to receive whatever God has as we continue to move from this place, I encourage you to just lift your hands and in your hearts. Lord, we say once again, and we celebrate the I, the I am, God. I am that I am. That you are the past, the present, and the future. We can trust and we can have confidence to just relax in you. To just relax and say, Lord, you are, you are everything. You are it. God who is the Alpha and Omega, who was and is and is to come. And we just receive that today. We say yes to your glory. We say yes to your mercy. We say yes to your kindness. The constant love that you have for us. So encouraging, oh God. And so Lord, I, I bless us today. I bless each and every one of the people in the sound of my voice. Every single one with their hands raised and their hearts lifted up. Lord, we are not content with our revelation of you. We ask, just as you said, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. We want more. We want greater understanding of the great I am. Let this be a week of profound insight and profound experience and profound revelation. We just ask that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Bless you guys.